If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, we'll be reading verses 19 through 34. Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worry, can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. How if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, You have told us that we need not worry about anything because every event in our lives is under your guidance. You know every need we have. You know of those needs long before we need them. You're constantly watching over us with love and tenderness. How thankful that should make us. As we come this morning to our worship, we look to you to guide us. We look into your word to learn from you what we need to work on in our lives. Open your word to our minds and hearts this morning. Lead us into all truth. We ask these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Worry. We are all familiar with worry. It's our constant companion. We worry about so much. We worry about things that have come and gone. We worry about things that have not yet happened. We worry about things that we can do absolutely nothing about. We spend an awful lot of energy on worry. Energy that could be better used on other things of greater importance. Jesus speaks to this idea of worry in Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink 
nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus says, don't worry. You don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, what you will wear, for life has many more important things going on. He gives you a good example in Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Birds don't worry. Yet God blesses them with all they need to survive. How does he end this? He tells you that you are of far more value than the birds. So why do you want to worry? If God takes care of the birds, and as he says in verses 28 through 30, he clothes the birds and the lilies of the field more than any man could ever clothe himself. What this makes clear is that God takes care of his children. He takes care of you. Jesus goes on to tell us about those things that are of more importance in verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What this means is that the most important things in this world are the things coming from the spiritual realm. What is your relationship to God? What's your salvation dependent upon? Why would God even stop to give you the time of day? These are the really important issues of life. Therefore, do what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you have given your heart to those things, then he says all these things, food, drink, and clothing, shall be added to you. This sermon is about the believer's blessings. The blessings that should wipe away worry. We're looking at Proverbs to help us learn this lesson this morning. What we learn first is that the blessings that come to the believer are inward blessings. In other words, spiritual blessings. Second, we look at the outward blessings, or if you will, the physical blessings of life. Third, we continue in the outward realm as we see the blessings of the believer's home and family. Fourth, we shall see that God blesses the believer completely and continually. God has given to mankind many gifts. He gave him life. He blessed him with headship over creation. He endowed man with his own image. He empowered him with the ability to take on responsibilities. He also filled his life with opportunities. With these come all the necessities of life. These gifts were given all men and given to them without prejudice. He made it rain on the just and the unjust. For the believer there are even greater gifts, more personal gifts, given because of a gracious God decided that he was going to pour out his grace on some men. He did this in order to show his characteristics of grace and mercy. As a believer, you have so much to be thankful for. 
the first thing we need to see about God's blessing is that God blesses the believer with joy and happiness. The joy and happiness that is spoken of here is a joy and happiness that comes from the spiritual realm. Proverbs 16, 20 says, He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Who is it that heeds the word wisely? It's the believer. It's the one whom God has given the new heart. He has seen his own deplorable condition and heard the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. He's called out to Christ for salvation and found it. The wise man with this wisdom has understood that it is only through trusting Christ daily that he can please God. It's in this practical trust that you can find the divine and yet simple recipe for happiness. God never intended that you should create your own happiness out of your own resources. If you think you can, you know absolutely nothing. You can do nothing. You have no ability to contrive anything. But if you look to Jesus Christ as your supreme God, if you trust him as your only hope, you will overcome worry and you will find happiness. You must understand that you and all you have are in his hands. This becomes your great security. Then in quiet confidence, you can put off the old flesh and put on the new flesh. When you do this, many obscure and perplexing thoughts will be scattered to the wind. Your soul becomes fixed on God. He reigns over all. He does so with an all-seeing eye and a loving hand. When you recognize this, your eye of faith can pierce through the darkest cloud and can read God's thoughts of peace and love. You come to know that all the world cannot rob you of one word God has spoken. Maybe at times, it may at times seem as though everything stands in opposition to God's promises. And I know you've all experienced that, that feeling. But you can be assured of this. Even the most insignificant promise of God carries more reality than the greatest act of mankind. The simple act of trusting in Jesus Christ enables the believer to hold firm in the face of what appears to be overwhelming evil. As you hold on to Christ, God, as a matter of honor, puts his seal on his word. Whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. God blesses those who trust in him with happiness. This happiness that he speaks of is a feeling of bliss, an attitude of well-being, a knowing that everything is going to be all right. If you have trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone for salvation, you should know that because of his work, you have eternal life. What greater happiness could you be? Could there be? What greater happiness could you want? What better cure for worry than eternal life? To go along with this great happiness comes a wonderful spiritual life. Jesus said in John 10, 10b, 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. For a few short years, all men have physical life. Those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ are given a new life, a physical life with spiritual life. Those are the people who are believers in God, believers in Jesus Christ. Proverbs 21, 21. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. These are gifts of God, great gifts of God. You cannot have any of them without God first opening the windows of heaven and pouring out upon you his blessing. Isn't that a wonderful thought? God's pouring that blessing out upon us because we believe and trust in Jesus Christ. You cannot have any of them without God first opening those windows. He's got to open the window to pour it out. Your faith has to rise before him as a testimony of where your heart stands. You can see the combination of God's grace here and your responsibility. God promises to all, to all who will follow his words, these wonderful gifts. Here, the gifts of God are being followed after with a very distinctive purpose. To show an understanding of their value. Paul in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, says this in the Christian says this is the Christian standard. Not that I have already attained or am already perverted, perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Understand here, the great consummating objective in this is the upward call of God. Through righteousness and mercy, we fulfill our obligations to God and men showing that that we have found the pathway to heaven. We have left worry behind. This path to heaven leads us to the greatest of all God's blessings, eternal life. This is indeed a great gift of God's grace. This gift is of such infinite worth as to be above our puny and sinful efforts to attain. He that follows after the righteousness and mercy of God Finds life. This is truly life of life. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. For he came into this world to be the life of the world. Christ is the repository of great happiness and the embodiment of fellowship with God. Because the believer follows God's righteousness and mercy, he finds true righteousness, which is a proportionately given blessing from a God of grace. He also finds honor. For as John 12, 26 declares, If anyone serves me, saith the Lord, him my Father will honor. Please recognize, such that are the blessings to the believer in his heart of hearts. These are spiritual things. This is where we live, in the Spirit. Consider these few questions and answer them in your heart. Are these blessings not worth following after? What say you? Yet, 
How many of you here this morning are only wishing that you had these wonderful gifts instead of going out and actively seeking them? How many of you are allowing your own slothfulness and laziness to cut short your, re- your search for the true path to heaven? And believe me, I've seen a lot of people that do that. We are a nation that has been deceived, deceived by an easy believism that says you need to walk an aisle in order to be saved. That isn't Scripture's message. Scripture's message is clear. Hear the gospel message and believe on Christ in your heart. Then you show your belief by continual works and constant obedience to God's word. If you try to do one without the other, you show yourself to still be lost and there is no hope of your ever being blessed by God. I want you to understand these works we're talking about, they are not to save you but to show the world your faith. To show them your salvation. Your salvation is only by faith. Works come only after salvation as a sign of faith. The second way Christ blesses believers is a bit tricky. There are those that teach a New Testament believer can demand of God any material blessings he wants and God has to give it. The only thing they say that can stop that blessing from coming is a fault in your own faith. Well, let me tell you, that's absolute nonsense. You, as God's creature, cannot demand of him anything. What you receive from God is always, always a gift of his grace. In the Old Testament, it was very clear. The reward of obedience was prosperity. Abraham, Job, David, along with many others, received God's blessing in their outward lives because of their obedience. However, in the New Testament, Jesus makes it absolutely clear that to follow him will bring persecution. Does that mean the New Testament believer does not receive any outward blessings? No. But the outward blessings are sometimes very different to what they were in the Old Testament. How does success and prosperity fit in with the Christian? Proverbs 10.22 The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. This clearly says blessings make one rich. What does that mean? Does it mean that every believer will be wealthy in worldly things? No. Proverbs 10.4 He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. This tells you that it is those who are persistent that will be blessed with riches. When you are diligent and it is the will of God, then you will be blessed with riches. This is consistent. To be blessed with wealth shows God is the instrumental cause while working hands is the subordinate cause. Neither will be effective without the other. The lazy man wants prosperity without diligence. The practical atheist wants it by diligence alone. 
The believer wants it as a blessing from God coupled with the persistent hand. The wise combination keeps him in the active habit of being humble and dependent on God. He says he adds no sorrow with it. Why does he say that? Sorrow equals worry. God's blessings bring no sorrow, bring no worry. In Psalms 127.1, we're told, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Please listen. There is nothing wrong with having riches in this life. Those who have them must view them as blessings from God. They must use them as carefully for his service and the good of their fellow men. On the other hand, it is not a sign of God's displeasure to be poor. For the poor may enjoy the blessings of God also. Their small, humble home is also a palace where the King of kings and Lord of lords dwells. Neither life nor death, neither time nor eternity can separate them from God. Is this not a blessing for all who know Jesus Christ? What does this blessing of the Lord promise? It declares that there is no sorrow, no worry with his blessings. There's no sorrow with any blessings of God, for they all lead to the eternal, to the great blessing of eternal life. So please understand, there is always danger for, the men, for men in the blessings of God. You have to be careful that you keep them in the right perspective. So we see that many times the accumulation of blessings can also be accumulation of worries. Remember Lot? The choice he made of the best land for himself? And do you remember the heartaches that followed? Remember Solomon and what the riches did for him causing his son to lose half the kingdom? Remember the rich young ruler that came to Christ? His rejection of Christ's works because of his many riches became the source of his eternal sorrow and worry. Psalm 127.2 It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. The world's wages for man is to eat the bread of sorrows. That's what you're going to get when you have the riches of the world's way. To worry over everything. So I would ask you to note the contrast. The works of the unbeliever are always in vain and give no rest. They only bring worry. God gives his children sleep, precious rest from their labors. Is this not indeed a great outward blessing of God to the believer? Paul says you must, as a believer, know both how to be abased and how to abound. For the blessing of God is upon his people, no matter what their state in this world may be. The next thing we need to examine about God blessing the believer outwardly has to do with his meeting their physical needs. Proverbs 13, 25. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. This shows that temporal blessings, 
are assured as long as they really bring good to the believer. The believer's needs are met, be they little or much, enough to satisfy the need, but never to fulfill the lusts. The believer shall always eat to his satisfaction, but the wicked shall always want. Why is that? Because the righteous will be satisfied with only what is truly needed. Now you ask yourself, is that me? Am I being satisfied with what I truly need and then being extremely generous with what comes over that? The wicked, however, can never satisfy his lustful heart and fleshly appetites because the more he gives to himself, the more he wants. It's just non-ending. The fare of the righteous may be simple while that of the wicked rich. But did not Daniel and his three friends fare better on their simple menu than all the others on the king's rich foods? For the believer, there is always a higher food bringing heavenly satisfaction. Christ is the believer's substitute for everything. If we have Jesus Christ and live this life with nothing but the simple and its minutest qualities, we will not in the end, will we not in the end be repaid with riches greater than this earth could ever offer? Remember, the believer is being fed from heaven's table, which is provided by the tree of life. The unbeliever will never know such peace. His heart will always be filled with worry. The wicked, his soul, is in such a state of chaos and worry that no abundance could ever satisfy his wants. Ahab, king of Israel, with, with his office and its wealth, he still lusted after Naboth's vineyard. The unregenerate human heart is so full of insatiable cravings, it cannot rest. It is this very unrestrained desire for more and more that will in eternity be the source of the greatest punishment. We see in Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, the refusal of a drop of cool water for a rich man's tongue in hell. The last area of the outward blessings of God upon the believer has to do with how others view the believer. Proverbs eleven twenty seven, He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. It was the example of our Lord and Savior that you should go and do good. If you are to be imitators of God and imitators of Christ, then you must go and do good to all. You cannot rest in this life which God has given you. You should feel ashamed of your depravity so that you never forget and always remember to be obedient. You must diligently seek holiness, rising up early and going after it with joy. When you do this, it will be seen by all and they will lift your name in honor. You will also receive honor from God. For God honors those with just a little strength, with those with a single talent when it's used for him. The believer is truly blessed by God when he hears the words of life and begins to act on them. 
First by believing in Jesus Christ and then by being obedient to his word. The greatest outward blessing of the believer is to be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. To be changed as the man born blind and then healed by Christ. Do you remember that? So that when he went home, his neighbors could not recognize him. Has your heart been so changed that your family and friends were confused by the change in you? If you have not been so changed, then I would say to you, you have missed the greatest outward blessing offered in Scripture. If you will open your heart, if you will hear that Jesus Christ died, that he shed his blood for the sins of all who would believe and trust in him, then you can have this wonderful life-changing miracle. You too can be a new creature by simply believing on Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, and being obedient to his word. One of the richest promises of Scripture is that God will bless the home and family of the righteous. I don't know of anything that can grab our attention as fast as a loved one having a need. There are few men of any color, race, national origin, ethnic background, or creed that doesn't want the best for his offspring. Proverbs 3.33, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. This shows very clearly that the contrast between the sinner and the saint affects us on the personal front, but also relatively. God's judgment of us follows us into our homes. Consider David, a man after God's own heart, and yet his sin visited, was visited on his entire household. And yet, even though your sins can affect your home, you're told in Proverbs 14, 11, the house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. David, David suffered for his sin, but in the end, his house was established forever. David overcame the worry his sin caused by repenting of his sin and being obedient to God's word. It is declared in Proverbs 15, 6, in the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Even though at times the house of the righteous may be destitute of money, yet there is great treasure for the believer, yet often unseen in this world. When compared to the stores of the wicked, their stockpiles pale in insignificance. The believer is blessed. He's blessed with treasures in heaven where corruption and thieves cannot go, and his true home is in the land above. This earthly life is but a short, short sojourn through troubled waters, and the believer eagerly awaits his homecoming and the blessings of his heavenly Father. I know that most of you here are parents, and some are parents of unsaved children. The true believer has the promise of God. The promise is that his family will be blessed because of his faithfulness. Does that mean that every member of your family will be saved? No, I'm afraid it doesn't mean that. However, I can give you one bit of hope. If you have made God's word the rule of your life, if you have sought God's kingdom, 
If you have, have, have done these things for yourself and for those children that are around you, then you have done exactly, exactly what God asks of you. You have given your child a foundation to build on. It may be that, that you will live to see him begin. but You will not live to see him begin. But you can trust in your God to do what is right by those whom you have entrusted to him. Turn your family over to God. Be diligent to pray for them and to counsel them in his word. Never, never give up that God will bless them for his promise is to you and to your children. The final thing we consider about God's blessing on the believer is that they are complete and continual. Let's examine several verses to help us understand this. Proverbs 12, 2. A man, a good man, obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. Those who live their life by the principles of God's word will find the favor of God, while those who do not will be condemned. Proverbs 13, 21. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. The man who goes after evil will be punished for his sins, while the righteous will be rewarded for his good works. Proverbs 10.6 Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. If you live your life in obedience to God's word, the blessing of the Lord will guide you, while the wicked will bring silence before the truth. Proverbs 10.24 The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. The wicked will find only fear. They'll find fear in the rebellion that they have against Christ, while the believer will be given the desires of his heart. What we hear in these verses is God blesses those who believe in him. He blesses the believer with the ultimate blessing, salvation, and that salvation lasts for all of eternity. When you call out to Jesus Christ, when you call out believing him to be the one sent by God to redeem sinners, then you receive the most complete, the most everlasting blessing that can be given. God truly blesses his people. Please, open your ears and your heart. Hear this wonderful good news that Jesus Christ is coming to this world He's come into this world to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He says all who are weak and weary can come to him and they can find rest. He died to pay the price for you you could never pay for yourself. He came to live a perfect life before God that you could never live. He came to give that life as a sacrifice on your behalf to bring you reconciliation with God. He completes both to open for you through his resurrection a path to heaven. He now sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven where he wants to receive you as one of God's children. He waits for you. He receives all who hear and believe on him and on him alone. Won't you come to him?
Won't you rest in his works? For there is no other way into eternal life than through Jesus Christ. Christ himself laid out for you the way to this new life in Matthew 6, verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Take these words. Take these words to heart. Live them so the blessings of God can flow into your life and into your heart. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the peace Jesus brought to us through his life, death, and resurrection. Help us all to stand firm in the faith you have provided us. Your blessings are without number, and we're filled beyond belief by the grace you show to us. Help us all to be able to face the struggles of life because we know our Lord Jesus is ever making intercession for us before your throne. You also sent the Holy Spirit to give us comfort and to guide us through those struggles. We thank you. We thank you for such grace and mercy. In Christ's name, amen.